Welcome. The parish is a church community in Alpharetta, Georgia, practicing the way of Jesus for the sake of others. Talks like these are just one part of how we gather to be deeply reshaped by Jesus. So we invite you to join us any Sunday morning for a full church gathering. You can find more information or contact us by visiting our website at parishanglican.org. All right. Well, as we continue on with our gathering, normally we do our scripture reading right here, and we will get to that, I promise, here in just a moment. But we have a special friend slash guest with us here today. Uh, Benjamin Wills is here. I'm going to call you up, Benjamin. Let's First of all, yeah, let's just welcome Benjamin. So Benjamin is the head of school at Peace Prep. Did I get that right? Yeah. I keep wanting to call you uh, headmaster. It's not that. It's not that. It's founder, comma, head of school. That's what I said. Founder, comma, head of school uh, at Peace Prep um, down in Atlanta. And uh, he'll share just a little bit more about his work there in just a moment. Benjamin is also a priest in our Diocese of Churches, Churches for the Sake of Others, within our Anglican tradition. And so this morning, I uh, invited Benjamin to come up and speak to us, share a little bit of his heart. We're in for a good thing. Uh, I, sat, I sat through it during first service, and uh, yeah, uh, there's, a, there's a good word in store for us this morning. Um, Benjamin spoke at the parish... I don't know, what, two, two and a half, three years ago? It's probably been three years, yeah. Wow, yeah, pre-pandemic, which feels like a whole different universe ago. <laughs> and, um, and since that time, we've just gotten to know and appreciate the work that is happening at Peace Prep, but also just the way you show up in our collection of churches in this area. And uh, you've become a friend to the parish, but you've also become a friend to me. We've had a chance to have coffee, have lunch, and uh, I'm just really grateful for you. So, uh, yeah, I wanted uh, to share Benjamin with our community, and he'll be back again in May. He's actually going to lead uh, the, the sermon and the Eucharist for us in May, and so we can look forward to that. But let's begin. I would love, before you share from Scripture, to just share a little bit about Peace Prep and anything else you want to share. Introduce us to you and your work. Yeah, well, I'll introduce you to, to me first. Uh, my wife and I live in English Avenue, um, which is in, on the west side of Atlanta. Um, we've married almost 16 years and have five kids. Two of them are running around somewhere here. Hopefully they're fine. Um, and uh, we started Peace Prep seven years ago um, in order to educate whole children, support whole families, and provide growth and change opportunities for whole communities in a high-quality, Christ-centered learning environment. And so that means we have a school. Um, we do some after-school programming as well. And then about three years ago, we launched um, an affordable housing ministry providing safe, quality, dignified, affordable housing for families in the community. And so we've started to expand our campus and offerings. All of this uh, aimed at providing peace or shalom in the life of kids and families in a zip code that we know um, the life expectancy is 20 some odd years less than other zip codes in our city. Um, and so we feel like that's a human issue. And if that's a human issue, it's a gospel issue. Um, and so we try to show up every day um, and be hands and feet of Jesus in a place uh, in a particular time in history to, to hopefully start to see the world be more reflective of God's heart for humans. Have a good day. Go. <laughs> we can go home now, right? Like, wow. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, will you share with us how can we get involved in supporting, in praying, 
uh, in partnering with, with you. Yeah, so the easiest way to do that with less words is go to that website, peaceprep.com. Our team does a great job of keeping it up to date with information. You could sign up to receive our newsletter, um, which we send out monthly that just shares what's going on. You can also follow us on all of the social media channels. I see young people in the room, so I know you all do that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, that, those are good channels where we put out information about things that are going on with us. And in terms of prayer, I mean, we are in an incredibly uh, difficult place in our city um, and, and working with people. And so there's complexities to that, and lots of prayer is always needed um, for, for both of those things. Thank you. Yeah. Um, okay, well, we're going to have Benjamin share with us uh, from the book of John. And so to that end, I'm going to invite Andy Goddard to come up here. Andy's going to lead us in our scripture reading. And uh, to quote Mike Nelson, all rise one more time, because whenever we read from the Gospels, we like to stand as our way of recognizing the word of Jesus, the living word uh, speaking to us in this room. This is from John 12, 1 through 8. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, who he had raised from the dead. There they gave dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume and made, made a pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas, Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this is not because he cared about the poor, because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put in it. Jesus said, leave her alone. She brought it so she may, might keep it from the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. The word of the Lord. Amen, amen. Thank you all. It's good to be with you all. I got to come up and tour this space with no people in it um, a few months ago and have lunch with Jordan, and that was exciting to watch the parish kind of grow and continue in faithfulness. Um, thank you for supporting the, the ministry of Peace Prep on a regular basis and for having me this morning. Let's dig in to the word God has for us. About uh, 10 years ago, if you're curious where this whole peace prep thing came from, during the Lenten season of 2012, the Lord shared the vision for peace with me. A few years before that, my wife and I had moved um, into English Avenue, into the inner city. We were so excited to be missionaries to the inner city, young people uh, full of enthusiasm and optimism. And what we found is we just had a lot to unlearn. <laughs> And we had a lot to relearn um, that God was going to lead us into the places where his image was found in places where we weren't really expecting it and, quite frankly, opposite places of where the world had taught us to look. Um, we were led into and, and our wisdom was confounded and our imaginations were stretched well beyond our experiences and our abilities. And so in 2012, we found ourselves again living in English Avenue and longing to know, God, what is it? What is it you have in store for our lives? And so I asked for 40 days and 40, 40 nights. I asked God to allow me to dream and show me what is this whole loving God and loving neighbor thing about. And I'm sure uh, this is a common experience we all share. God told me very clearly every detail. <laughs> no. 
Uh, God did not give me every detail, but God did give me this big vision, and uh, he did invite me as he is inviting us, I believe, each day to wrestle with this question, will you trust my plans above your own? Will you trust my plans above your own? And the last 10 years have really been a constant invitation to the scene of the gospel this morning. It's been an invitation to this dinner, this dinner that confounds us and clarifies some things about God at the same time. It's the invitation to see the purposes of God unfolding right before our eyes. And we all have this invitation. And see, we also all have a tendency to try to nail down exactly what it is we're doing in life or what we want from it. We want it to be ordered in such a way that's comfortable, that fits into our expectations or our conditioning. What we see in the gospel passage this morning and really in the whole passion of Jesus' life is that God's constantly inviting, inviting us away. He's inviting us away from the order that we're expecting, but he's inviting us towards the larger purposes God has for the world. And so the big idea this morning then is this, that Jesus invites us to pursue God's purposes above our own. Jesus' passion invites us to pursue God's purposes above our own. And so just to level set here, when I say God's purposes, I mean God has a plan for the world. Agreed? Okay. So the arc of scripture, the whole story is showing us that God plans to redeem, to restore, to reconcile, to renew everything. And it seems particularly aimed towards people groups who have been marginalized or oppressed or the poor, as are mentioned in this passage. What we see in the garden, what we see in Revelation, encompasses the scope of what God intends to do. And though we don't have detailed instructions, as we often wish we would, God does have a way of orienting us in the most explicit way that happens is through the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. What's been recorded through the law, what's been said by the prophets, comes to life in Jesus. He puts on flesh. And in this gospel passage in particular, we have a helpful guide and an invitation to pursue God's purposes above our own. I see it in three particular ways that I want to draw out this morning. Three particular ways that the upside-down orientation of the kingdom invites us to pursue the purposes of God. The first is this. The kingdom is counterintuitive. The kingdom is counterintuitive. The purposes of God will not always, will most often not match our ability to understand or comprehend logically. In other words, we don't think our way into the kingdom. This is good news. We see this in the first two verses of our story. Here's Jesus at the home of Lazarus, the gospel writer records, who he raised from the dead. In this particular detail, I love that the gospel writer makes note is Lazarus is at the table. I'm not sure about your dinner parties, but my understanding is that dead people aren't on the guest list, and then they're typically not at the table. So here we're invited to consider, is our logic, is our reasoning, is our ways that we're unaware of keeping us from leaning fully into the purposes of God? Well, this is hard for me, I will admit. When I was in high school, I was a competitive debater. And so personally, I was well-versed and even trained at logically trying to prove or disprove something. It's just the way I was formed to work in my mind. And this tendency to want to comprehend, to want to understand, to want to know and see it clearly and draw the straight lines 
has often kept me from the freedom Jesus is offering all of us in following him into unknowing, just as much as Jesus invites us into knowing. See, we can be freed of our burden of trying to knowledge or reason and yield to this idea that God always has a plan. God always makes a way. And that way is often counter to what we can imagine. It's what we hear in the Isaiah passage this morning, beckoning the Lord, the one who makes a way in the sea, a path in mighty waters. This is who God is. This is what God does. And so in Jesus, we see that reality coming into fullness in real time. You see, the good news of Lazarus' presence here is that it foreshadows a greater truth that Jesus is going to fully live out. In Lazarus' presence, we're comforted by the reality that even in death, God has a plan. Lazarus was dead dead, in a tomb dead. And here he is at the table. Even in death, God has a plan. And so thinking our way into the kingdom isn't necessary. And so we're free. We're free to trust God and be fully present to what Jesus is inviting us into and fully present to one another. The second way the kingdom invites us to pursue the purposes of God is that the kingdom is counterpositional. This is a fancy way of saying position doesn't get you into the kingdom. We see in Mary the story of a woman who's wiping the feet of Jesus with her hair. Both of these things would be dishonorable by societal standards and probably shameful as well. And then Jesus adds, she's doing this in preparation for a burial. That's odd. That's a stretch of our reasoning, no doubt. But it's also an affront to our cultural formation, which says position and power are prerequisites for belonging. Our culture says that these things get us in, and Jesus says, leave her alone. So here we are to consider if our ideas about position or power in ways we know or don't know keep us from fully leaning in to the purposes of God. Several years ago, after realizing families in our school were being displaced at rapid rates or being adversely affected by housing instability in our community um, because there was this billion-dollar entertainment complex being built next door, we sensed God calling us in to do something about that. We sensed God calling us in to do some affordable housing work. And over the last three years or so, what I've seen time and time again as we've put offers in on properties is somebody that has more money, somebody that has more resources, somebody that has more connection come along. But I've also seen us be able to provide 32 safe, quality, dignified, affordable housing units for children and families who were previously vulnerable. Just a few weeks ago, it was a Sunday. The owner of some multifamily property next door called me. And he said, hey, we're receiving offers on this property, multiple offers in the millions of dollar range. And I can't do anything about some of it, but there's a few of these properties I own myself, and the Holy Spirit has impressed upon me to give them to you. And he did. <laughs> Back in 2019, as a three-year-old school 
still trying to find our way. This church and many others helped us raise over a million dollars to be debt-free property owners of a building and land when most other institutions and people said no. I'm here this morning as a living witness to tell you that God's plans have very little concern for our position or our power, and that's very good news. And I'm sure you can look in your own story and you can consider the places, even right now, where something doesn't quite make sense, where you're not quite in the spot you want to be in. Somehow, some way, either you've seen God do this before or you're going to see God do it, that situation will change and what has felt impossible will feel possible because that's what God does. Isaiah said it this way, who brings out chariot and horse, army and warrior? They lie down. They cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. You see, just as Jesus and the kingdom have no real need for our logic or our understanding, Jesus has no real need for our position or our power. And just as Lazarus foreshadows the resurrection of Jesus and the defeat of death, Mary in this story foreshadows the ability of God to take a shameful thing, death on a cross, and use it to anoint the king of all kings, the one to whom every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. He is Lord. There's a third way the kingdom invites us into the purposes of God. That's by being counterproductive. Jesus again and again throughout the Gospels invites us into the reality that we don't produce our way into the kingdom. Said another way, we don't work our way into the kingdom. That's good news. We live in a culture that is very high stakes. It's very people over profit. It's important for us as followers of Jesus to be counterformed in such a way that we begin to live this great reversal and we model it to the world around us. You see, to a world that says you are what you produce, Jesus says you are my beloved. You're not what or how you think. You're not what or who or what you know or your place or position of power. You're not what you can produce. Just as you are, you are the beloved of the most high king. And in our gospel of this story, it's Judas, a disciple who with ulterior motives wants to sell this perfume and give to the poor. We see the gospel writer has a peek into his true intent, but on the surface, are we that much different than Judas? You see, betrayal is simply choosing our way over God's way. And so in this way, we're all more like Judas than we want to admit We want to have a say about this redeeming and restoring and reconciling, renewing business. We want to tell God often how to get this done. And Jesus is inviting us to choose a better way. If we're we're not open, if we're not honest with ourselves, this is where our good intentions can become barriers to the freedom Jesus is offering us in pursuing things his way. So here's where the rubber meets the road. Here's what I believe each of these three things. There's a common thread. There's an invitation here. It's an invitation to release control. 
It's an invitation to release control. Lent is a powerful season to assess our appetites. And through the various fasts we engage in and the prayer practices, we can choose, we can live with a deeper, heightened sense of awareness to the things that are still ensnaring us. And we have that opportunity again today to ask ourselves, where are we seeking control through knowledge, through position or power, or through productivity Here's the good news of the gospel, friends. We have less control than we'd like to have. But God is more capable than we will ever be. And the world is still in those hands. Isaiah says it this way, the people whom I, God, formed for myself might declare my praise. Those are the kinds of people we're invited to be. The people in Psalm 126, whose mouth is filled with laughter, tongues with shouts of joy, who the Lord has done great things for. If the Lord has done great things for us, then we ought to live that way. And I believe this prepares us to hear Jesus in fresh ways when he says one of the most frustrating things that Jesus ever says. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. In this, I believe, with a fresh perspective, with open hands and with open hearts, if we're willing to freely release control, then we might get a deeper sense of God's heart for the poor. We might get a deeper sense of God's heart to redeem, to restore, to renew, to reconcile. We might get some direction on just the next right step. So if God's not interested in our intellect or our position or our productivity, then what is God interested in? I'm glad you asked. Our trust. Our trust. God's interested in our trust and our yielding to the purposes and plans of God above our own. Isn't that what Jesus does? Over the next few weeks, this season of Lent is going to get even more intense. We'll find ourselves in the garden with Jesus, all his friends asleep, having denied they know him, sweating blood. And then he'll head to the cross in obedience, acknowledging, God, you have a plan. And can I remind us this morning that God still has a plan? That it's still unfolding and that we're invited to participate in it? And that's really good news. I'm going to lead us in a prayer practice for the next few moments. And my hope is that this is a, a trailhead I'm placing you on, and then you'll go on this journey throughout the week. But we'll practice a little bit together. We'll do some examine. And so if you feel safe, I would invite you to close your eyes and place your hands in your lap. Maybe settle your feet on the ground if you're able um, place your hands in your lap or your knees and kind of put your palms up. And the first place you might notice control in your body is in your hands. So you can kind of open those up, a little release, until your hands are resting open. And I'm going to ask just three questions of examine. And after each one, I'll just give us a minute of silence. And then I'll say a breath prayer before I move to the next one. You're welcome to join me. It will simply be, Lord, I give you control. So the first question is, where am I seeking 
control through knowledge. Lord, I give you control. Where am I seeking control through power? give you control? Where am I seeking control through productivity or busyness? Lord, I give you control. Lord, we give you control. We ask, Holy Spirit, help. Help us to be a people formed into the image of your Son, willing and obedient to trust you. God, seal in us this work that you've done and lead us by the hand this week as we attempt to do more of opening ourselves to you, that you might have the first and the last words about our lives. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.